Hello, and welcome to the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. Uh, you might notice I am not Neil right now. I am Ben, and I am hosting. Uh, we have just myself and Alex for the first time, the two of us together. It's just the two of us. So, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing very, very good. Yes, as Ben said, this is the first time we've been on the podcast. It's the first time me and Ben have spoken, and listeners you will not see we did spend the first five minutes before we got started inflating each other's ego so we are our energy levels are high and i think this will be a really really good podcast yeah the ego is definitely flowing let's hope that that comes into the passion onto the pitch onto the podcast so without further ado let's get started Okay, so first, why don't we just jump into it? We have a couple of reviews that we'll talk about, uh, and then we'll go into some of the previews, given that this is Friday, we'll talk about some of the previews for the weekend, um, that we have some great matches coming up. So first of all, we have the Women's World Cup. Everything is now set. The, the final is now all decided, so that starts off on July 20th. We had three intercontinental matches uh, and some three debuts. So we had Portugal beating Cameroon 2-1. That's a Portugal debut. We have Haiti beating Chile 2-1. That's a Haiti debut in the, in the competition. And then Panama beating Paraguay 1-0. And so Panama is going to debut as well. So all three of the Intercontinental Champions are now debuting at their first ever World Cup. So that's going to be great. Again, that starts off in July 20th in New Zealand and Australia. Uh, so make sure that you mark your calendars for that month and go ahead and watch all these new debuts. I think there's four or five debuts this year. So, so it'll be really fascinating to watch all those. Awesome. I mean, I'm pretty excited to keep hearing from you, of course. I have got a far less star-studded uh, entry into our previews. Uh, I <laughs> I know Neil will be hating us because I'm not going frantically. It's the Frantic Football Podcast, but I can't t- not tell the listeners that in our notes, Ben has got very detailed bullet points, and I've got Bolton versus Plymouth Pizza Trophy. Uh, but <laughs> there is something to talk about here. In England, we have the... Uh, the competition, I think it's the Papa John's uh, trophy for Leagues 1 and 2 and the Premier League B teams. And Bolton are going to be placing Plymouth Argyle in the final of it. And the reason it's a worthy talking point, Bolton beat Acton Stanley 2-0 on Wednesday while other Champions League games were on. Um, I saw a fellow creator, H2OMUFC, a lot of people know him and love him, was raving about Bolton. It's a team I've even spoke about on the podcast before under Ian Everett. Uh, I really hope Bolton end up winning this game when it takes place. Uh, it, it takes place, I think, next month, maybe in April. Uh, the football they play, Ben, I must tell you, it's as good, if not better, than a lot of teams in Europe. Ian Everett, there's a reason these teams get nicknames like Barcelona or Barcelona. It's brilliant. Are they? They're League One, right? They are League One. They're on their way, hopefully, to a promotion uh, to the Championship. I'm looking forward to that. Then, yeah, they because they were in the Premier League, weren't they? For for a while yeah like the yeah, beginning. yeah. You, you may not know with all your 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 big football knowledge on the world in your rattling around your head uh, you may you struggle to recall sam analysis mighty bolton i know about them because my dad's a fan of them um, okay yeah yeah they are uh, big team in the 2000s in the premier league uh, i think yeah, it's just under a decade yeah just under a decade since they they were in it but they really are playing brilliant football so keep an eye on them a perfect name of the trophy too i really want to win the pizza trophy to be it, the pizza trophy has a much better 
ring to it than like the World Cup because the World Cup, I mean, what do you are you Atlas, but the pizza trophy, you know what you win. You win a stack of pizzas and you have a great night. So yeah, Bolton, Plymouth Argyle, that should be a fun match. So moving on, we uh, had also, let's jump from uh, England into Asia. We had the AFC Champions League. This is the what this is the quarterfinals but it's essentially the semifinals of the west because the the as i've said before the afc champions league is split uh very very straight down the middle you have the west and the east the east is finished up months and months and months ago uh Uruwa red diamonds there in the final this was the second phase of the quarterfinal which is essentially the west semifinals we had al duhail beat al shabab 2-1 so al duhail of qatar which actually all the the these Matches are taking place in a bubble in Qatar right now. So kind of a home team. So Alduhail beat Al-Shabaab. It was pretty hectic. Uh, one player on each side had to be stretchered off. Uh, really, really sad scenes for both of them. They were both leg injuries that I, I'm trying to find some more news on to see if they were uh, like broken leg or, or an ankle. They, they both looked pretty bad. But we had, uh, it was nil-nil until the 77th minute. And then in the 77th minute, Michael Olunga scored a first goal for Aldo Hale and then scored a second one just in the 85th minute to put it 2-0. And then um, Saeed Al-Rubai of Al-Shabaab had a consolation in the 90th minute. Uh, it was a pretty fun game overall. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of end-to-end -end excitement. I'm pretty sure there was a ton of fouls too. But yeah, so Aldo Hale are now in the, the West final. So they're, I guess, the semifinals. It's kind of confusing. Uh, and then they'll be playing Al-Hilal of, Sa of uh, Saudi Arabia as well. So Al-Hilal beat Fulad of uh, Iran 1-0. Fulad really dominated the match, I think, um, which was surprising because Al-Hilal, I mean, they were just, they're the defending champions. They they just played, uh, who did they beat? Flamengo, right? And they played Real Madrid. They did pretty well against Real Madrid uh, in the club, uh, club World Cup, club champions, they almost said. But so it was pretty interesting that Fulad were doing so well for so long and it was the 87th minute that Musa Morega got through he ran in behind the defense there is it wasn't poor defending but it was poor tracking of Morega's run in behind between the space of the left back and the left center back and there was a perfect diagonal um on a kind of a high line uh, of Fulad to really slot that ball in for Al-Halal so that he could go one-on-one -on -one with the keeper uh put it in far post really really fun goal to to look at from like a build-up perspective um and so I think that uh, Al-Halal from like a brand name deserve it, but from on the pitch, I wouldn't say either team was, it could have really gone either way and it went the, the Saudis way. So it's Al-Duhail versus Al-Halal in the Western final, if we want to say it, uh, or the second phase of the semifinal uh, for a berth for a two-legged final against Uwara Reds of Japan. Quick question, Ben. I mean, because I'm, you know, not too clued up with my Qatari football, but something that's just come to mind because you, you mentioned there that Aldizal, uh, Qatari team, right? What are in the uh, in the FC Champions League? What's happened to Al Sad, the team that Xavi left uh, for Barcelona? Have they had a big drop off or are they still quite dominant? So I forget exactly what they did. I think I want to say they got out in the groups. Like it, it literally it was a year ago, literally one year ago, about today is when the group stage is finished for the Western portion so i forget how they did last season but i know that this season um they're doing all right i think they're i'm putting now they're fourth they're doing extremely well right now but i think they had a little bit of a rocky start to the qatari league um i sadly can't watch the games here in the states and so i've been watching as many highlights as i can but they have obviously really interesting tactics under Juan Malilo, which I think everyone knows, especially with uh, his article. I think it was in, in The oh, Athletic yes, or something. Yes. So he is in charge of El Sad and they play uh, 
obviously given his name if you know him they play very interesting possession football he is like the godfather of a lot of uh different possession managers it seems like um so he's their manager and doing pretty well and i yeah i think the Qatari league has uh several like really top teams like there's about four or five typically every year that that are really strong i think in this season al duhale are, are one of the two it's al uh al, al duhale sorry and al arabi are both the top two um about nine points clear of everyone else at the top but i think al Sadr, interesting possession football with the results just now really starting to come this season nice i see i love those little stories like that really shining like a cool light on sort of like cool things happening around the world in football and speaking yeah. of which uh, a big thing happened today in european football the europa league draw and i think what some might find more interesting is the conference league draw Obviously, this happened after the results in midweek. We know the boring one. Manchester United went past Barcelona, blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows about that. But I felt like there were some quite interesting stories. I mentioned um, early in the week, I think it might have been last week's episode, in fact, that um, the Belgian sides had a lot to live up to because both Anderlecht and Ghent had lost their first legs against Ludogorets Razgrad and at Karabag. Um, but they clawed it back in the second legs of their Conference League ties. Also, the Europa League as well. Very happy to see some good teams coming along there. Shakhtar managed to get through as well over Ren. I don't know if you've seen the clip going around of Jed Spence. Uh, ben, have you seen that? I know you're a Tottenham fan. I have not seen that. I'm just oh. sad he wasn't able to get any minutes to him. Uh, it was hilarious. Jed Spence, um, <laughs> it, it, the, the camera's going around at the end of the game. Um, and he's like, <laughs> he's uh, just going up to... The Ren team who have lost, and Spence just puts his hand up to the camera, and he's like, "Go away, go away, leave us alone, oh, leave good. us alone." It's like that's it's like a, a guy I love that. guy getting chased by TMZ. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, looking forward to other ties coming up in the Conference League, in Europa League. Uh, but of course, that's not the only European competition ongoing, is there, Ben? Uh, no, we have something called the Champions League, which um, <laughs> you know. As a Tottenham fan, I don't like to talk about that, but yeah, the Champions League has certainly been quite interesting. I, I also want to say we in, in the Europa League, we have our Union Union Derby, whatever we want to call it, Union Berlin against Union Saint-Gilles. That yes, is going to be time. a very fun game. Actually, honestly, they're all going to be so much fun. Sporting and Arsenal, um, Leverkusen, Ferenc Farris should be fun. Roma, Roma, Real Sociedad. I'm excited. It should be really fun, but we can also move on. Let's jump again across the world. We're going to go into South America now. Uh, talk about the Copa Libertadores qualifiers. We will mention in Neil's absence, uh, I think probably Neil's favorite team, uh, Magdalene's. They beat Always Ready of Bolivia 3-0 in the first leg. Always ready or not always ready. Uh, I think that's the big takeaway. Um, they're not all all ready for Magajanes. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we had, had a lot of other ones go on. I think we had some draws with the Brazilian teams too. Um a couple of nil nils but yeah so magazine is obviously if you've been following the podcast you know they're such an interesting story back up in the top division after a very long time one of the most historic clubs um but i think in south america as well as in chile so uh great for them to be always ready they have a second leg coming up i think i think next week 
Um, but also we have the Ricopa Sulamericana or Sudamericana, depending on what part of the continent you're in. Um, is the first leg of the essentially it's the the Super Cup between the the uh, the Europa League and the Champions League version, right? So we have the Copa Libertadores uh, winners Flamengo against Independiente del Valle of the Copa Sudamericana, which is the second division, uh, and Independiente beat uh, Flamengo one nil in this first leg. So that um, Looking at the game, I think it was Flamengo, pretty much the same type of team that they they fielded against Al Halal in, in the the Club World Cup. So it was really they want to win this competition, uh, this trophy, and they messed up in the first leg. So fair play to Infantiente. Uh, we'll have to follow that on the twenty eighth is going to be the second leg of the Hey Copa Sudamericana. Also, if you're a listener and you just wondered why Alex said not the only European competition is because I knew Ben was about to talk about the Copa Libertadores and I mumbled my word instead of saying continent competition I said European and he adapted very quickly so well done from Ben and zero marks <laughs> from me but a European competition that now comes up in our podcast plan is the Champions League I wanted to touch on uh, RB Leipzig versus Manchester City because I think everyone thought that game would be a write-off I think that's probably the game least people were watching like football nerds or casuals alike because you know, City go through the Champions League, uh, Leipzig, you know, small German team. Well, small's a bit kind to them, but they aren't Bayern Munich, right? But I thought their performance was really strong against Manchester City. I think Red Bull football, whatever you think of it, I know German fans tend to hate it, uh, well, the Red Bull group at least, but Red Bull football's gone through a lot of... um issues recently you know Jesse Marsh came in after Nagelsmann and Tedesco came in and Mark Rosa's come in after his own troubles but I think people who were watching the game against City could could probably agree that Leipzig played them off the park in the second half they had really good shape going down the wing they were very good at progressing the ball into spaces and overloading it I remember if you're watching the game if you didn't watch the game sorry have a look at the highlights and you'll see Benjamin Herring's missed chance after like, one of the best bits of Leipzig play I've seen all season and Hemrick's completely re- ruined it I couldn't believe it but definitely felt like something I know you know we've got lots of different interesting stories from across the world here in football and it's quite a major one but I feel like it's a game a lot of people have missed and I'd say when the second legs come around Make sure you watch it because it will be worth watching. But in an attempt, Ben, to give you a proper layup here, that <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I can set this one up. Manchester City were once in the Super League, which obviously didn't take place in Europe. But across the co- across the world, there is a tournament called the Super League. Where is it? <laughs> this is perfect. So there is a across the continent you missed a little bit so there is an indian super league do you want to know who just became the premiers of the indian super league mumbai city do you want to know who is who owns mumbai city oh isn't it manchester city the city football group oh you've done a better layup than uh, me yeah yeah see there's more my friend there's more to football than just euro so you're euro expert you know (laughs) yeah i tell you i do i do think about when i'm when i'm next to you on this podcast ben i think i am the most closed-minded open person in football (laughs) that's a funny way to put it (laughs) i mean it goes in there's costs and benefits because the amount of stuff that i know on a a basic level about pretty much everything because i'm like oh here's a new competition we to learn you know about oh here's a new one oh here's a new one uh you you can go only so deep to be able to not like fry your brain and have memory issues that i probably give myself in all honesty so (laughs) There's always costs and benefits, but yes. So the Indian Super League 
Uh, the regular season is not done. We have a couple more games left. However, the top six, aka the playoffs, have been set. So like I said, uh, Mumbai City have become the premiers. This is uh, basically they won the league, uh, essentially. So they finished uh, 14 wins, four draws, two losses. They lost their, their last two games. They were invincible until the last two games. I think that they were crowned premiers pretty much after they went undefeated after 18 games and they're 46 points compared to Hyderabad's 39. They have Hyderabad's one game left to play. Uh, they could have easily just phoned it in because they were already going to finish top spots. Like, what's the point? So they don't go undefeated. I, I'm i just going to say they probably go undefeated and, and the next stage and win, win the final because they're such a great team. But even though we have a couple games left to play, uh, they're set, obviously, joining them, rounding out the top six is Hyderabad, Bengaluru, ATK, Mohun, Bagan, Kerala Blasters, and Odisha. So we do have a couple more spots to be determined. Basically, a fourth versus fifth would be ATK, Mohun, Bagan, and Kerala Blasters. Those can switch. So right now, both of them have 19 of 20 games played. They're both on 31 points. The only thing separating them, I believe, is their goal difference uh, with four, four goals to the better for ATK, Mohun, Bagan. They don't play each other on the final game. Uh, Kerala Blasters actually play second place Hyderabad, so it's going to be more difficult than ATK Mohun Bagan playing East Bengal, who are ninth in, in uh, joint last joint second last points. Um, but fourth and fifth are going to play in the first phase of the of the playoffs, and then also we have Bling Bengaluru are going to play Odisha FC third versus sixth. That's already set. So it's this will be a matter of who gets to be the home field advantage with the first let just one leg. So who's going to have that home field advantage between Atikamo Hubagan or Kral Blasters? Really going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think they're both in like similar form. They both uh, won two of the last five games. I think that Atikamo Hubagan has drawn one of them, whereas uh, the Blasters have lost three of their five. So they're both kind of iffy on form right now. So that actually should be a, a, a fun game to watch the the final two to see who gets that home field advantage. Uh, and yeah, I think that'll start next week will be the playoffs. Uh, so look forward to hearing more. You should watch that. You can watch it on one football, but also look forward to hearing more about that here on this podcast. So I think that wraps up our reviews. Unless Alex, you have anything more? Oh, no, I don't. I think you wrapped up very nicely. Excellent. So yeah, without that, we can go ahead and get into the previews. Given that this is Friday, we will preview some matches. Okay, so let's go ahead with the previews. Uh, so first off, we have a very, very, very feisty and tasty matchup between Olympiakos and Panathinaikos of Greece, both in Athens on uh, Saturday. This is the Derby of the Eternal Rivals. So uh, for those of you that don't know, this is one of the most uh, intense derbies in the entire world up there with uh, Barca Real Madrid up there with Boca Juniors. Um, well, it seems like all of Boca Juniors rivals, really. Um, but this is one of the most hectic, crazy matches uh, that we'll see. So definitely make sure you put that on the calendars to watch that and follow that because that will be fun. Elsewhere, uh, uh, we do have some more derbies in the K-League, which K-League 1 is going to kick off um, in about 10 hours from right now. Um, so by the time you're finished listening to this podcast, uh, flip on the K-League. It's all free to watch if your country doesn't have a broadcast deal through an official stream, which is much better than many leagues. Uh, but the K-League kicks off. We have a very very fun fixture to start that off with Ulsan and John Buck. Uh, this is Ulsan are the uh, last season's champions. They won for the first time in quite a long time. Uh, John Buck have won five in a row up until last season. Uh, they are the top two teams the last like five years. Uh, they will most certainly be the top two teams uh, at the end of this season. Uh, I actually personally have Ulsan beating John Buck again to the title um, because I just think they have a lot about them. 
but there's a lot of questions because John Buck didn't play that well last season and they've made some good changes. Uh, actually taken one of Wilson's top players last season. So it will be a very fun match. Uh, so make sure you watch that. We have another one at the same time, I believe. Incheon United play FC Seoul. Uh, so Incheon is is uh, a little bit west of Seoul. It's in the, the greater Seoul area, I guess we could call it. They are big rivals. This isn't FC Seoul's biggest rival. I'm pretty sure it's Incheon's biggest rival, though. Uh, so we have another rivalry match to start off, uh, K-League 1. We have uh, a whole slate between uh, tomorrow and Sunday. And then the K-League 2 kicks off in midweek. So really some very fun fixtures in the K-League starting back up for 2023. Uh, and it's not the only rivalry. So continuing, I think, Alex, you have another very hot rivalry to talk about. I do, and we'll have more to talk about as the podcast goes on, believe it or not. But this first one is the Old Firm Derby, although I've recently got co- uh, corrected by uh, 20-Minute Teams, a Celtic Patreon I work with. Uh, it's the Glasgow Derby. So Celtic versus Rangers. Uh, the Scottish League Cup final, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Um, this is some are billing this as one of Ange Postacoglu's, um, someone Ben will never know, one of the biggest games of his Celtic career because uh, the Rangers are thought to be in a very good spot with um, uh, Michael Bill in charge. Uh, I, I won't go into too much detail, but Bill has quickly turned them around from being a very static team under Van Bronckhorst to very active one, very active exploiting. Um, exploiting gaps in behind and a cool fact about this game Celtic and Rangers since Bill took charge they've both won every single game bar one the one game they didn't win was when they drew 2-2 in January so this will be a really good game that's crazy that yeah that's gonna be quite that was actually one of my my first introductions uh like probably five years ago now into getting way too deep into football was the premiership being shown here in the U.S. I forget I think it was Paramount Plus or Paramount Sports or CBS and it was always Celtic Rangers. I was always put my calendar. I think it was 2016, 2017. I, right after Rangers came back up, I believe. So, yeah, this yeah. will be fun. Michael Beal is quite the... Because he was wanted for a, for a while by a lot of different clubs, right? Because he was, he was the one at QPR, I think. Yes. So like, um, He was so good at QPR that everyone wanted him after like two weeks in charge. It was very controversial from what I know. I believe he was at, he was at QPR. He said he left Stephen Gerrard's coaching staff uh, for Aston Villa in the summer. Obviously, Gerard Villa went, for a lack of a better term, tits up. Um, Beal went to QPR doing a really good job. Wolves sacked Bruno Largi and came in for him. And Bill came out with a few comments about loyalty, how he cannot, dis- like, he's committed to QPR, he's committed to the project, all oh, the fans are on right. board. And about, about three, like, a few weeks later, he quietly left for Rangers. And then everyone said, well, that's a bit hypocritical, isn't it? But you can't doubt the talent. <laughs> I know, and I had hey, I, I I right now I'd go for Rangers over Wolves too. So, um, yeah, that that should that should be fun. But we can move on. We'll uh continue with our global hopping. So we also had the Malaysian Super League started uh, today. Actually, we had uh, JDT. Uh, they beat last season. They were they're the the perennial champions. For those who don't know, pretty much it's um it's kind of like Celtic uh, a couple of years ago in, in Scotland of just winning every single year. Uh, they beat last season's runners up Terenganau, Terenganu. I'm so sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. Um, so, so that started today. We have a couple more fixtures uh, beginning this weekend. We also had uh, Singapore, just a little south, kind of uh, on an island off Malaysia. We have Singapore's Premier League also started today uh, with Lion City Sailors. And they had a very fun way to end the game. It was nil-nil to the 89th minute. So it was an 89th minute winner from uh, Kota Tanaka. 
and then a 90th minute plus four stoppage time consolation. So it took a very long time. So the final score is 2-0. Uh, it doesn't look like they did extremely well. Up until then, they could have very easily drawn to, to start that up. So yeah, we can move on. Uh, uh, we'll continue to hop backwards. So Alex, where are you taking us next? I'm taking us to Spain. Uh, just a short point here. I'm previewing the game. Deportivo Alves uh, versus Cartagena uh, uh, in the Segunda Division, uh, you know, second tier of Spanish football. Deportivo Alves, their team, any old-time football fans might remember them getting to the UEFA Cup final against Liverpool, where they lost in the early 2000s, had a big attempt at overthrowing Spanish football. Then um, I think their finances kind of died off and they've been bouncing around a little bit between the first and second division. But they're one point off the top. That's Palmas currently lead to Segunda. They're playing eighth place, um, a 12 points difference over uh, Cartagena, who are a team only founded in 1995. So only a couple of years older than me. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on Deportiva Alaves. So, or Alaves, as a few people refer to them anyway. Uh, and we'll see if they can return to Spanish football's top tier soon. But now let's go to a continent we haven't touched on yet. So, Ben, take us to your homeland. Uh, my homeland, we will have MLS is back. And I don't mean the MLS is back tournament from three years ago in, uh, in COVID times. I mean the MLS is now back. Uh, so we have the first matches are starting up. I think tomorrow, I think we have, I think we have all but like three matches take place within like a three-hour span on Saturday. So we've had Apple TV has taken over the broadcast um and actually no more blackouts which will be great as i try to get a dc united after moving here which i probably shouldn't because they're uh not good um i don't know if they're going to be that good next year even though wayne rooney's great uh the team is a bit iffy but we have a a huge slate of matches uh starting tomorrow afternoon our time probably overnight uh late at night i guess i should say in the uk um in every single team but chicago fire play because we have 29 teams in the league um, as opposed to an even number. So I think it's Chicago Fires looking through. I think the Fire are the ones that got the short end of the stick. So they get to start their season next week. Uh, but it should be, I think there's quite a number of great matches. So there's a ton of them. I mean, with 28 games, you got 14 in the MLS. So I, I would make sure that you pick a couple to watch. Very energetic league. Yes, yes, yes. And talking of energy, we've got a very, very big tie coming up on Sunday evening uh uk and european time le classique marseille psg uh these teams faced off just under two weeks ago when psg lost to marseille in the cup and this actually uh, to make it a bit wide a bit wider and maybe then you have a comment on this i have a very strong opinion on this um this is going to be quite a, a big fixture at the moment for Ligue 1 because uefa coefficients of Ligue 1 after Nantes, Ren, and Monaco all went out in the Europa League um, yesterday, well, at the time of recording this, um, you, there's a danger that ahead of the Champions League reform in 2024, when whoever's the fifth best ranked league in the uh, in the continent will receive an extra Champions League spot, the Eredivisie is a coupled, I think, three thousand coefficient points behind, which means if the if Liga and have a really bad year next year, um, and the Eredivisie, Ajax, PSV, etc., have a very good year, they could theoretically steal that extra spot from them, which would be huge. And my strong opinion on it on it is that that's a very very bad way of ranking league quality. It's just ranking the the best 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 teams in the league on a couple of one off games a year. And I'm hoping the classic 
on Sunday with Igotudis Marseille, who've come really far since their fans invaded. I think it was two years ago to this day, in fact, they invaded the um, invaded the training ground uh, during Andre Villas-Boas' time. I think we're going to see hopefully a really high quality game that helps remind people that Liga should and deserves to be in the top five, argues to be the top four leagues in Europe, and it's not battling with the Eredivisie or the Portuguese league for that fifth spot. Yeah, this is going to be... Um, if you've never watched uh, a Le Classique, do it, because it is... who Who's hosting it, by the way, this time? Oh, good question. I just have Le Classique in my pod notes. I believe... Is it, it Marseille? I think it's Marseille, but we'll oh double God. check. It is Marseille, yes. At the Those are the top. best. Those, yeah. Watch this. That is... <laughs> Do you have an uh, opinion though on um the coefficients? Because I I've, I feel really strongly that a terrible way of I know you have oh they're to... atrocious yeah you're hundred percent right so basically take Scotland for example who are the best two teams in Scotland it's Celtic so, and Rangers yes and right now I mean Hearts are doing well Aberdeen are doing well but you'd have the top two teams and take like even fourth or fifth most seasons and. Would those teams really, do you think they're at relatively the same level of, of Celtic and Rangers? And this is nothing against the Premiership. This is nothing against Scottish football. This is all about I think fans would agree with you, yeah. And, and the answer is no. So, and, and something else that I'll talk about too, because I'm about to actually mention this. You you, th- you think about like, so the Kazakh League has FC Astana uh, that is like the best team. And then behind that, there's a couple teams every year that seem to be switching. Uh, Tobol is doing well. I think high rider are, are decent every couple of years, but, but leagues that have, even if they have one qualification spot and like maybe one playoff spot, which now with the, the conference league, it's way better. There's like typically three or four for most leagues. You have to look at like the leagues that are so in unequal or unequal, whichever is the right word. It's just not like a good way of doing it because England, it might be fine because I mean, yeah, you do have a top six, which most seasons ends up being five of those top six, even four, but then you have like three other teams that come in, every year to really battle those top six to finish in the top six spots of the table. And you have the same thing in Germany. Yes, you have Bayern, but behind Bayern you have, and and I can't stress this highly enough, literally all, but probably one team or two teams every single season could make like even the champions league. It's, it's insane. Italy. Now Juventus has dropped. So you have, I mean, Napoli are so good, but you probably have like eight or nine teams that really like they could do well in Europe. The coefficients are horrible because you have a lot of leagues that really just have two teams and it does inflate their leagues, but then it kind of, I don't know. I, it kind of, it's just bad because. Real no, you, you, I tell you what, I've spoken a little on this topic a lot. I've written yeah. on it a lot and you've articulated in a way maybe best than I have just that. Yeah. It's absolutely very irritating. And it's also irritating for, you know, tribalism where fans will go. Yeah. I, so I'm a little biased. I'm a fan of league, but it's, tribalistic for fans to go well they're ranked fifth by UEFA so they're the fifth worst league it's like no that's not no there's many different variables but you also became the first person ever to compare UEFA coefficients to the uh, the Kazakhstani league and the Kazakhstani football please continue talking about the Kazakhstan (laughs) Super Cup I will so yes we have uh, Kazakh football is back I myself I got in at the very end of last season and I was like uh, like I do with most leagues I just kind of like watch a couple games and I'm like huh this is weirdly weirdly enthralling for me uh so the Kazakh Super Cup starts it's Saturday uh so we have the the league winners last season FC Astana as I've mentioned um I don't I they didn't they did win this past season but they didn't win the year before that 
Uh, they, they've been pretty much the best and one of the most, I think, financially powerful teams as well in the league for, for several years now. Uh, and they are going to play the cup winners, FC Ordebesa, and they won the cup and about a decade ago. I think it was 2011 they won. That was their first trophy, and now they've won it again. What will be fun is that when Ordebesa won the cup last time, they then won the Super Cup. That's the only time they've ever played in the Super Cup, and they've won. So, you know, they have a 100% win record. I think FC has to now have like a 50% win record. I think they've won five and lost four finals of the Super Cup. So um, I would think Astana are going to uh, win, I think. Uh, so they finished first. Obviously, Ordebesa finished fifth. Uh, I'm trying to do the math in my head. I think it's uh, 15 points behind Astana. So will be quite an interesting game. Uh, that's I think that's free on FIFA Plus in like 11. So yeah, you're welcome to watch that. That is on Saturday. Awesome. Well, let's go to our final game, which is again on a Sunday. I love how this podcast we've complete we've been going content to content like a like a like a billionaire who pumps out carbon dioxide on a private jet. Um and our final <laughs> game is another quite a big game. Um very big game actually in Belgium and the standard uh Liege. Uh Anderlecht have before the season begun, I'm sure, Dot uh Dr. Uh, Dr. Mukherjee. I believe I've hope I've pronounced his name right. Um, the doc, the doc is the best way. I just wanted to refer to him as that, but I didn't know if everyone would get it. But they should. He was on this podcast. Me and Ben were left out, and we were absolutely fuming. So he'd probably know a lot more about this fixture than me. But Anderlecht have rebounded since um they uh, since the World Cup uh when they were taken over by Brian Rima, uh Brentford assistant coach, and. You know, they, they slowly begin to climb the table. As I said, they were earlier. They went through to the round of 16 in the Conference League now. So they'll be facing Standard Liège with a bit more hope in their team than uh, than they had previously. And I think that both their recent forms are quite uh, similar. I think they've, Liège have won two of their last five. Anderlecht have won three of their last five. Uh, but Liège also beat uh, Union Saint-Jean-Royale. Uh, uh, have butchered pronunciation far more than you, Ben. But USG, <laughs> but I've, I've, actually, I've been really impressed by US, them recently. USG, <laughs> USG is the easiest way. I've been really impressed by them recently. Actually, they've got a Brighton loanee there, who the name escapes me. Having a good time on the left wing, the slash left wing back. Yeah, Stanley H beat USG four two. That's quite a big result since USG is still climbing the top of the table, really battling up there uh, with Genk. Um, yeah, this game kicks off five thirty UK time on Sunday, and will be a very very nice uh, game Belgian football. Yeah, always. Uh, I think Analect have um, Standard is, is one of their, I think, so Club Bruja and, and Standard Liège are their two main rivals. This is always a very feisty fixture. Uh, it's probably good from Anderlecht's standpoint that they're much better than they were a few months ago um, when they were, were setting fire to bins in the middle of the pitch and invading the pitch and stuff like that, because that would have happened in this match uh, had they not rebounded their form. They really have been... Uh, as like a passive fan, it's been a lot of fun to watch them now just actually do something. <laughs> Supposed they were really, to be languishing. They're actually really they were, doing stuff. They were really good at the start of the season. I remember watching their first few games. It was under a I, I get my Belgian coach mixed up, but it was but under Mazu, right? Obviously, the yeah. former coach of USG. They were excellent. Fabio Silva looks like he'd completely regained his form. And it just seemed to completely fall off. It a just cliff. stopped. Yeah. It just stopped. Everything stopped clicking and i think that's the big thing is that it just stopped like the 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 passes were a little bit 
iffy. The shots were a little bit iffy. The movements were iffy. Everything was just kind of like not, it was like they kind of had a brand new team, even though they didn't. Well, they've kind of been like a lone striker, like revolving door the past. I don't know. It seems like every window they get another striker on loan to bring in that wears 99. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it just like stopped clicking for them. And now it really has under Reamer. It's really uh, started working. I think that's the biggest thing. That's the best thing. And uh, shout out to one of my favorite players. I've been watching Belgian football for ages. Leo Raphaelov. Raphaelov. Mm. Uh, I'm sure he you're... is good. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, he's like a um, uh, Mercier at, uh, I forgot. The, forget the team. Oh, it's Leuven, right? It's like yeah. the, they look like gods in the Belgian league, and I don't want them to ever move because I like them retaining a legacy. Anyway, I've ranted on too much on about Belgian football. Then talk us through our final topic: uh, a quick transfer. Yeah, our final topic is a very quick transfer. I found out about today. Um, I'm assuming people have heard about this guy. His his name is Marcelo. He's got <laughs> big hair. Uh, he played for this uh, really small club in Spain, uh, Royal Madrid, I think, something like that. Um, so Marcelo has rejoined Fluminese. He's rejoining them. He was 13, I think, when he first joined them. Then he moved to Real for a while, like, like 15, 12, 15 years, something like that. Uh, went to Olympiacos for in this summer after he left Real Madrid. I think he only played like six games or something like that. I think we talked about him last pod, last pod actually, uh, that he had, uh, mutually terminated his contract with Olympiacos. And I have to be honest, I'm not hundred percent sure how he did in the couple games he played. I'm not sure why he uh, terminated his contract, but alas, that's where we are now. So he's rejoined Fluminense, which will be so much fun because uh, Alex, I'm sure you've heard of Fernando Geniz and his uh, system, right? The very free-flowing. Yes, this is, um, uh, for full clarity, people, I've I've raced home from work, ran off a bus that was delayed and got straight on the podcast with no preparation. So this is why I'm forgetting a lot of names, but there's a, I hope you'll fill in the gap. There's a guy on Twitter uh, who really goes against Jamie all... Hamilton. Jamie Hamilton. That's yes. it. I've spoken Ster- to him at Sterling J. That's it. Yes. Shout out to because yeah, he's. I read his article on uh, uh, his system, uh, Fernando Diniz's system. How and that the screenshots you get of all the players just kind of grouped around the ball. But <laughs> yep. it, it, yeah, it's uh, relationism. Writes... I think is relationism. Yes. Relationism. Something like that. Yeah. That's like that term. So essentially, what that is. Uh, for the uninitiated, which is fine because that's much more of a very um, high tactical stuff that we're kind of dealing with now. Basically, there's like you have the their very hardcore rigid position system of like, you know, Luis Enrique, I think is the main one. You have Guardiola even a lot of times on Iksu uh, to some slight extent in, in FC Seoul, if you want to go beyond. It's more than just Europe. It really is everywhere. You have like you're in this position or like a player in this position location on the pitch versus the exact opposite and you just go hey the ball is over here follow the ball and, and it's not just that it's this this system still that works and everyone's very fluid people are rotating uh uh jamie's actually shared a video on on uh, not youtube what are we on twitter that is like the players quite literally rotating and it's just so much fun to watch um uh, and it's effective too they're still one of the best teams in brazil one of the best teams in south america marcelo is one of the probably the most technically gifted left backs ever players right? players yeah one of the most technically gifted players ever and he's gonna be he's 34 okay whatever but he is still i think he's still good it will be fun to see if he can how he does transition into this very interesting system tactical system um with other really good players women and say have some really fun players too uh young and old and so i think it will be fun i don't know 
their left back depth to know if he's like going to become the starter or if he's like there for rotation uh you know please someone you know reach out to us on twitter and let us know if you know more about that but i'm very excited at the prospect of this high technical player playing in the system and i think he's really going to put even more eyes on a team and a manager that deserve as many eyes as uh they can get on them yeah we should definitely shout out jamie hamilton again because yeah the ben's explained it very well and the the way i've always understood it, I think it is a problem i have of watching such i'm sure you kind of feel the same that every team can begin to look the same because everyone is to an extent following some form of either Mourinho where it's you know very structured counter-attacking football or Pep Guardiola where you have the ball right you attack your zones you rotate your specific zones it's all about well positional play essentially and um what Jamie Hamilton has covered with uh Fernando Dintz is that there's a way to tear it up and there is a way to make it work and maybe this coach and maybe Fluminense will not you know maybe the system won't last maybe the football won't last but what the hope is it that it inspires something different to what we're seeing, you know, pervade around Europe and we'll get in future more varied football. And, you know, that's all looking hope for, really. Yeah. And, and that's that's the biggest thing is that, I mean, at the end of the day, the reason why I think I guess we're going beyond the Marcelo transfer now, but like the reason why so many teams, so many people want to play this uh, position style. I mean, it works. It's been proven to work at basically every single level of football, at least in Europe. Um, and you, the further away from Europe you get, you do see the further away from the very, very top leagues of the Western half of Europe, let me rephrase that, that you get, you do see a lot of much different brands of football. I mean, I mentioned Aniksu a little bit ago. He's kind of in, in he's FC Souls manager in the K-League, and he does have kind of a positional system, but there's so many different elements to it because his his players rotate, so you'll have the the right winger can become the left back, become the center defensive mid, all in buildup. Uh, my joke is that the ball doesn't move, the players move. But you kind of have this half position, half um, like relationism thing if it's the spectrum. But the position style has worked. And so the relation style is working in Brazil to some extent. I think every year it seems like it's getting better. I think he's been in charge as second or third year or something like that. And it does, and he's done well moving up the ranks in Brazil too. It's just a matter of, yeah, can they bring that into that, that you know, the, the yeah. Western part of Europe that everyone seems to watch? They do have, we can't, you know, beat around the bush. They do have the best leagues in the world from a quality perspective. If that can work, that'll be a lot of fun. Because, yeah, it'll be, like you said, there's a couple different styles that prevail for, for good reasons, too. They work. They win Champions League. They win leagues. They win cups. They can weed, you know, they can win single games and they can win leagues. So let's and see the- I'm, if that can, you know. Yeah, yeah, in a to, different style. To support your point as well, for we're about to close out. Like, I mean, this is kind of selling the podcast. Essentially, what it is, it's just the, the these are the reasons to watch the teams across the world. I remember, like, at, my favorite example of this sort of argument is a team mentioned earlier, Leuven. I remember one of the first times I was watching Belgian football, they were involved, and they, you know, they had a corner and they had a set piece that I've not seen any any team do since. But I'm waiting for it to happen where they brought four men short for the corner. Had them all do four, when, four men, that four is men, beautiful. Four men come short for the corner, and when each player received the ball, the other one made like a calculated run, and they managed to create like a perfect cutback opportunity in the box. And sure, that's not going to work every time, but it was just the sheer audacity to take that many people short for a corner, and clearly it confused the other team. And I'm waiting for 
a team in the Champions League or whatever league you're, whatever favorite team you're watching, to see that, try that, and then we'll go, and then me and you can sit here and be like, hey, we saw this, we saw this originally originate yeah. in whatever tier of football. Tactics are universal. Uh, I'll, I'll share it in the resource thread, or I'll have Neil share it. But um, I was watching the AFF Mitsubishi Electric Cup, uh, which I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, actually at the very beginning of 2023, the year we're in. Uh, but Malaysia was having one of their center backs take the goal kick to the keeper that's center, right? And I mean, that's something that's like this big <laughs> tactical innovation of the past couple of years. That like, I think John McKenzie on Twitter has done an analysis of like why you do this and why it's better to have the goalkeeper receive a goal kick centrally because of all these different reasons, uh, that depending on what the opponent then does from a press or from their positions and stuff like that. I mean, it, these taxes are happening at every level. So yeah, like you said, Alex, uh, we're going to sell this podcast at the very end by saying continue to listen to us. Thanks for listening to us, but continue to listen to us because the more you learn, if you love the sport, there's so much around the world. Uh, in Everywhere from the top five leagues to whatever the bottom five leagues might be in the, in the universe, some amateur league somewhere, um, maybe right outside one of our doors, that there are always interesting elements. And that's what we try to bring. So yeah, I we appreciate both of you listening. Um, and Alex, it was great to, you know, meet and speak with you in person outside of just on Twitter or in our group chat or something like that. I uh, really appreciate the time and appreciate everyone's time and listening. Um, so thanks for, for listening. We'll be back on Monday, I think, with a whole slate of people and a whole brand new set of games to review. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.